Hi, everybody. It's Joey Remini here from seekingbalance.com.au. And I have a treat for you because I want to introduce you to an audiology friend of mine. Her name is Gillian. So welcome to the call, Gillian. Thank you. And today we're going to talk about mal de debarkment, which is a curious little condition which falls into the vertigo and dizziness category of life. And it's a French term which means poor disembarking and traditionally was from a boat trip, but I have heard of people also being diagnosed with mal de debarkment after aeroplane travel and other forms of travel. So the concept here is that the ears are sending messages to our brain and our brain is interpreting this information as, you know, forward, backward, sideways or acceleration, deceleration. So there's, there's this mechanical process being processed in the brain. And when we're traveling for a long period of time, for some people, and we don't know why, there's an error loop that generates somewhere around the midbrain or brainstem around the vestibular nuclei. And it keeps on telling us that we're still on the boat or we're still traveling. So then when, when, when we stop moving and we're just standing on the ground, we feel like we're still moving. And it's this really bizarre feeling of being out of sync. So what we're feeling is this constant traveling motion movement, even when we're standing still and not moving. And then even curious, more curiously is when people get back on a skateboard or back on a bicycle or back in a car or back on a boat, they feel totally fine. So this is really commonly um, explored and experienced by military people who have done a lot of traveling, but generally it will settle down within two weeks. So it can happen for people who are traveling a lot, but it will, you know, resolve itself with time and, and reset all of those brain settings. So Gillian, I remember well, we were working together in, that's how we met. Can I just, yeah, I'll just, no, I'll just stop it. So we were working together in Northern Territory doing our audiology work and we maintained contact. And I remember Gillian contacting me saying, you know, I've got this strange vertigo and dizziness and blah, blah, blah. So as an audiologist going through an inner ear related condition, do you want to just talk through some of the you faced? Just right. so, so let us know your journey in terms of figuring out what was going on and what, we, what you were feeling. What were the challenges? Yeah, so I um, originally had mal debarkment for about two weeks, I think, um, and that happened, I think it happened two or three times. I had it for a couple of weeks. It sort of was quite scary. I went to the doctor. Nobody, nobody could tell me what it was um, at all. My doctor was completely stumped. Um, it was quite a long time ago. I think it was about 20 years ago, something now. So I had it a few times. Then as an audiologist, I remember about the third time it happened, someone put something about maldebarkment, um, maldebarkment in uh, my intray. So I sort of had a little bit of knowledge about it and I dismissed it because it had gone away by that time. Hmm. So it was, um, it took a long time. So it wasn't until the, I think it was the fourth time I had it, it didn't go away. Mm. So that was the time that really became very difficult, a very difficult time in my life. So the first few, you know, they were a bit frightening, but it stopped. Um, I think they were, at least one was prompted by a boat trip mm -hmm. and I can't really remember the others, but the last time I got it wasn't prompted by a boat trip. So it was by um, a very busy week, late night, travel to, on a plane to Alice Springs, get pack a car and drive hours into the desert 
and the next day more and more hours on a very bumpy road. Mm. Got to my destination and felt just woozy and not right and that that progressed for quite a long time and got worse and worse with different symptoms. Mm. Do you want me to talk about the symptoms as yeah, well? Just, it can yeah. be interesting just to hear whatever you're in your journey yeah. you to share. So that time um, it actually became a bit debilitating and quite I was quite frightened that time just about if it was never ever going to go away. So um, it turned into... Um, so I had a lot of nausea with it and I found it really hard to concentrate, hard to concentrate at work. I was a bit frightened of driving the car, certainly didn't ride my bike, um, was feeling quite isolated because I had I'd stopped enjoying things because I was just feeling sick all the time. Mm. At that time I went down the path of ENT and seeing a neurologist. Um, the neurologist treated me like I was crazy woman which was even more upsetting the ENT took me seriously he was very good um but by then I'd had neurological symptoms as well so um I was getting um I had intolerance to patterns and light and I had olfactory hallucinations by then so I was smelling things that weren't there <laughs> actually it's specifically glue um so I would say, oh, there's people doing work in this building and there'd be no one doing work. Um, but I now think there possibly was a smell, but it was, I was just really hypersensitive. Mm -hmm. And I also started thinking people were yelling at me on the phone. So I'd be thinking, why is everyone yelling? I couldn't tolerate light. So I had all those migraine symptoms, but no headache. So that was confusing as well. I do actually tend to think that Melda de Bachmann and vestibular migraine are like cousins as conditions. Yeah. There is yeah. some overlap, obviously yeah. they're different, but yeah, they, there are quite a bit in common. And then of course, triple PD, which is the persistent postural perceptual dizziness is another one that kind of falls into this family of conditions where mm. the brain connections and systems are disrupted. Ears are fine. Hmm. I don't know much about that last one. I'll talk to you offline about that one. Um, yeah. yeah, it definitely related. And I think it made it more confusing because there were lots of migraine symptoms, but I didn't ever have a headache. So mm. I couldn't bear to look at patterns. Um, and I, when I went in the street, I was really hypersensitive to noise. So I just felt overwhelmed. And when I was in a crowd, it felt like, you know when people get hearing aids and they say they can hear every single word and it drives them mad? I think that's what I was getting. Mm. Um, so I just ended up not going out as much. And then I had oscillopsy, which was when, you, when you're walking along a um, flat surface, it feels like you're walking up and down an undulating surface, mm. which was... And then I've just remembered something else that happened. I went to... It, bright lights sort of were quite... Um, uncomfortable and I went to Ikea it was really bright in the car park and then I went into a cafe where it was patterned floor and all the chairs were sort of offset in a patterned way against the patterned floor and I my face went numb down I thought I was having a stroke and we ended up ringing the ambulance so I ended up in emergency which was really embarrassing but the Logan Hospital um, but then I when I had a look I sort of did some research I they Quite often people with maldevelopment present to emergency, I've realised, because yes. of that. Yeah, so I didn't know. That made me feel a bit better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it does sound like it's really playing into 
all the senses. So we've got our smell, we've got our sight, so the visual mm -hmm. patterns, we've got the ears, the hearing, the balance and touch. The senses of perception can all get a little bit muddled and overwhelmed mm -hmm. and under-stimulated. Can you pause again? All right, we're back. Okay. Hopefully the phone won't ring again. So... Um, after I went to the neurologist, I went to see an ENT surgeon that my GP had referred me to. And because as an audiologist, I, I did know of this person and he was um, well regarded. Um, and he was amazing because he he listened to me and he believed me. And I think for it, that was such a, a huge um, relief after being treated like an anxious sort of middle-aged woman. Um, I was just relieved to have somebody... Um, believe me really mm. um so he we did try um some medications that just didn't do anything um I, i'm not sure if it was through him or my gp but i definitely tried some medications um and then eventually i tried one that um the symptoms went away fairly soon after but I am not sure whether they were, that was related. I really don't know. So um, I know it went away not long after I started taking those, but it seemed very quick to me and I felt like perhaps even if I didn't take them, that was when I was going to have recovery anyway. So I just don't know. The, I don't know why, um, you know, whether that was just a coincidence or not. Yeah. So, and from memory, you said it was about three or four months of yes, debilitating. It was, um, yeah. And then one day, suddenly, it just lifted. It it really did. In it did really feel like that to me. So it was. I don't know if it was overnight, but I think I might have been just. Oh, I, I don't feel quite so bad today. And over the course of maybe one or two or three days, it was just gone. I couldn't believe it. Actually, I have really supportive friends and family who had been quite concerned. I can remember driving in the car with my mum and crying and saying maybe it's me maybe I'm making maybe I'm making this up and her just saying don't be stupid this is definitely you know going on and just feel you know starting to sort of have self-doubt about all of it as well yeah. um, and the other thing for me I had like you said in the introduction, I, if I went for a drive in the car if someone drove took me for a drive I didn't have the symptoms so I didn't feel sick so I was getting people to take me for long drives, mm. sort of like out of town on the weekends. Um, I wasn't going to work all the time. I had a little bit of time off, not a lot. I um, stopped doing my country trips though that I had to drive. Yeah. Um, but I found it really hard to concentrate at work, really difficult to do my job. I felt, and I just felt sick all the time. Um, and I have to say that the one thing that did help me with nausea was fresh ginger. It's the only thing that helped. Mm. Yeah, did not you make, ginger tablets, but fresh ginger. Did mm. you try any vestibular rehabilitation physiotherapy or make any lifestyle changes? Yes, I did. I went to physio and this is the funny thing. I'd stopped driving at this point and I was going to physio, but I don't think they were doing the positional rotation stuff with me. I can't, I, I'm so, I just can't quite remember what they were doing. I think they were doing some work on my neck thinking maybe it was something pinched in my neck or something. But I was getting the bus home from the physio and on the bus thinking, I think that that's helped. <laughs> and then getting home and going, oh, it's back. But what I found out later was 
And that must have been before I got the diagnosis because I, what I realised later was I just felt good because I was moving. On the bus, yeah. So, yes, I did try physio. I can't... Um, Do you know if you I, had vestibular physio, though? Because that's not usually not neck-related. That's more general physio. I don't think I did. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. And I feel like I might have... I, I have had that positional rotation stuff at one point, but I'm not sure if it was then or not, but it didn't. Obviously, because it's not what I was, you know, wasn't the right treatment for, yeah. for what I had. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So some people with male debarkment do try vestibular rehabilitation therapy and it's not, it's not a terrible idea. I definitely include vestibular exercises in the Rocksteady program I use with my clients because it helps the brain receive consistent messages on different accelerations and rotations. And mm. also more importantly for male debarkment people, you guys need to learn how to be still because moving you're actually fine. It's more, how do I be in my body sitting, standing, lying and in still positions and reset those neural templates so that the error signals aren't Mm. constantly on that motion. Mm. And generally speaking, there will be a bit of emotional and spiritual work as well, because we lose a lot of faith in ourselves. We lose a lot of confidence and trust in our bodies when we go through these Mm. conditions, which is normal and to be expected because Mm. suddenly our body's not making sense. And so the spiritual work will be about learning to, to not doubt ourselves so much, learning to trust what we're feeling, learning to back ourselves and getting that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual support that we need and the life balance or work-life balance as Gillian alluded to, to make sure we're not, I suppose, operating on yesterday's settings. Mm-hmm. And as we do go through life stages and life changes, and this can happen at any age because we do see adolescents as well as uh, much much older older people is just checking that we're not falling into old habits where we're not listening to our body and we're really doing life and doing long hours or doing big trips or doing relationships and how can we actually step back drop into our heart find out what's meaningful to us allow the brain to actually rest and relax so that it's not go 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 and really shook up mm. and so this is where the holistic side of it comes in So we don't always know why this starts or why it happens. But if we take the perspective that our body is intelligent and wise and everything we feel is for a reason, it's appropriate and relevant. What is that message from the body? So think about it like a text message from your soul. What would that text message say? And how can we address that and make any changes to, to lean into the situation and really support the natural healing process? So it sounds like you might have naturally done a little bit of that, Gillian, because you really felt like you couldn't. I mean, as an audiologist, we have to concentrate so much. It's such a detailed mm-hmm. job. I can imagine I'd feel like I was doing my clients a disservice if I was like in this headspace. So it's like you mm-hmm. wouldn't have had much choice but to take a bit of time off, I imagine. Mm, I did. Um, I felt like I was in a, in a fog. Just mm-hmm. you know, my, I couldn't concentrate. So I, I don't think I had a lot of time off, but um, I remember being at work really finding it quite difficult and, yeah, I definitely had some time off. But it's interesting that we're doing this interview this week because I haven't had maldevelopment symptoms for quite a long time and I did have some symptoms this weekend, just gone, So, which was a bit of... And it was... Um, I was swimming in the pool. I'd just seen Scott Morrison at the Valley Pool, actually. So... <laughs> I don't know if it's related. Oh, that's, for those listening, that's, that's our Prime Minister. <laughs> we're, not, we're not always happy to see. 
only in Australia you can just see the Prime Minister down at the pool. Anyway, I was doing backstroke and I went, oh, that feels weird. So I stopped doing backstroke and, I had, and then I had some symptoms for the last few days. But the thing about it for me now is I would have been very frightened a long time ago if I had these and I, I just knew it. I spent some time on the couch on Saturday afternoon. I just kind of slowed down. I didn't go out the next day and I, I'm feeling all right. So I think because I know and recognise them that I just go, okay, I know what that is. It'll go away. Um, and there's a bit of hope, obviously, and all of that. Um, but I've, I've been feeling all right. I stayed off my bike, things like that, just to stay safe. And I just like to make that point too that you said to slow down and so on. I know that the time it was really bad, that was a time I stayed out late, busy week, flew to Alice Springs, which is a three-hour flight from here, you know, packed a car, drove out bush. Like that was just too much. I just did too much, you know. So I do wonder if that contributed to that time right that bout. Yeah, and just for people listening, it's often not linear. It's not like, oh, I've had a busy day, therefore I get symptoms. No. Often it's an accumulation of things. Sometimes some of my clients will find as they go through the process actually very, very old situations that can be 15, 25 years ago. It's like an accumulation of things where the body suddenly goes, you know what, I've had enough. Like this is the, that straw that broke the camel's back. So it's often not what you've just done this week or this month or even this year. It can be an accumulation of choices over your whole life. And then the brain's just literally out of balance. And so we've got to get that balance back in. If it's a physical issue, your doctors will find that and fix you. Like if it's a splinter in your toe, they'll pull it out if they can. If it's emotional, mental and spiritual, then it's more of an inner healing job. It's about listening to the wisdom of the body. It's about having humility to ask some of those deeper questions and make some changes to serve you so you can be the best version of you. And often that will be a very holistic process. It's about you becoming your own best friend, supporting yourself, believing in yourself, and hopefully coming through this actually feeling better than before it even started. And that's something that a lot of my clients do report. But, and I think something I love to see in clients is a little bit like you just said, Gillian. It's like, well, if it does come back, it's no big deal. I know what to do. I can pause, I can slow down, I can lean in, I can tune in, I can listen, and I know that my brain will sort it out. Because when we fall into the catastrophe loops and the drama and the uncertainty and the hopelessness and helplessness, the anxiety really does flare everything up. And it's, it's very unhelpful. So being able to have that emotional support is really, really very essential for all forms of healing, but particularly the vestibular migraine, mal debarkment and triple PD. I think um, I think it is quite strongly linked to migraine. I know I know that um, I had that experience in the pool on the weekend, and then I was uh, had glare in my eye then for a, you know a period of time, and it didn't feel good. And it just I feel like that just contributed to those symptoms again. Yeah. So, but I do think having been through that other situation, it did, and like you said, just um, understanding it being okay with it not panicking yeah. I think that does I think that helps enormously actually yeah um, absolutely the last time I was having a couple of, I was self-medicating I was having a couple of glasses of red wine at night <laughs> I realized I was just saying well this feels a little bit better or does it <laughs> at least so. it's situationally appropriate if you've had a few drinks <laughs> 
it was so yeah that wasn't the best my best hour but anyway so certainly don't do that now so what I really want you to share with listeners because I know there are people out there and I really feel for you guys out there who are feeling hopeless hopeless lost confused you probably feel like you've tried everything every diet every chiropractor and alternative medicine doctor as well as all the mainstream stuff for you guys what I want Gillian to really share with us is that feeling of going back to normal because some people actually have forgotten what it's like and they feel like it's impossible and they feel really like this doom and gloom and that it's a life sentence I want you to talk through that 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 experience of going oh my goodness I'm back to normal and the ground is steady and I'm back to me that Mm -hmm. actual coming home feeling yeah so I think that a few times leading up to that I pretended you know, I did sort of um, try and play tricks on myself and I'll just push push through this and if I say it's okay and act like it's okay, it's okay and it just wasn't. Um, so when it actually did go away, there's a little bit of disbelief and you're sort of walking along thinking, really, you know, I don't believe it. Um, but it was there was a huge relief for me. I, I just couldn't believe it. And there was a little bit of anxiety in a way of it coming back. Mm. So, and then eventually you sort of forget about it, yep. but it was, it was pretty amazing actually. And I, you do think it's never going to go away when you're in the midst of it, um, which it, it probably makes it worse. I did a little bit of Googling and found chat groups that people who, you know, were talking about the length of time they'd been having the symptoms and I found them not to be helpful at all for me. In fact, they frightened me more than anything. So I just did, I stopped looking at them altogether pretty quickly Um, because I know that from our, as audiologists from tinnitus, you know, focusing on it can just make it (laughs) sort of all encompassing and make it worse. So I knew, I kind of knew to avoid that, which, which I did. Um, But it was an enormous relief, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you had, so you've had, um, so after having that, that really difficult few mm. months, that was absolutely years ago. That, I feel like that it was, was like a, eight years ago or something. It was probably, let me just think, it was five, yeah, probably, yeah, nine or ten years ago. And I don't think I've had about since. And I've every now and then I have little symptoms like on the weekend, but even that I would say maybe three times in that time and just symptoms like this weekend where I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that'll go away. I'll just wait it out. So, yeah, it's a little bit disconcerting. But I think because you know it can go away and it will go away, you just don't feel as anxious about it. And I think that helps, actually. It does because it puts the brain into a healing place. So the parasympathetic nervous systems, when we're in that easy, rested, Mm. um, relaxed place and and enjoyment that's when the brain sets into rest and repair and when we're in fight flight freeze anxious mode there's not much neuroplasticity going on and we get we get locked no that's interesting it's problem solving so when we're anxious everything's neurologically kind of yeah well that's you know certainly it escalated for me and it probably my anxiety about it and distress about it just was you know making it worse yeah, but, it, but I do want to validate it's normal to feel anxious, especially when you feel like your world's falling apart and like just mm-hmm. all your senses are high, high, hypersensitive and vision and it's noise and it's lights and it's, mm-hmm. it is disconcerting and it's normal to be anxious about that. However, it's not helpful and that's where getting supports and having a daily program where we can practice getting into the rest and repair system, which is what I teach in module four of Rocksteady as well as supporting ourselves physically with keeping the inner ear reflexes strong, 
learning how to be in our body and cultivate that stillness and steadiness. These are all really useful skills, not just for melted embarkment, but for any form of dizzy, anxious moment, really. And they come and go in life. So we need to know how to move through them rather than catastrophize. So I just want to thank you. It's been quite tricky finding someone with melded abarkment who was willing to share their story and <laughs> shout out. And Gillian <laughs> responded saying she'd do it. So thank you so much. And I know you're busy. The phone's going. And Sorry about that. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a problem at all. I'm really grateful. I hope this call offers some hope to people out there with melded abarkment who are just feeling at a loss. The brain is so amazing. It can change and it can recover. But what we need to do as human beings is to support our brain and body to recenter and refine their steadiness. We need to actually create that space for the brain to do it. And when we're constantly reaching out to other people to fix us, whether that's doctors or alternative health medicine people or diets or whatever, we're really handicapping ourselves because while, yes, we don't have to do it alone, we do have to trust ourselves and go within and give the body space to actually actually find and recalibrate its balance. Nobody else on the planet can do that for us and no diet can fix us and no pill, generally speaking. So it really is a process that we have to create space and time for and that's something I highly encourage people to do. So thank you so much for your time, Gillian. You're beautiful. And well done for getting through such a difficult patch. I'm really glad. I was so happy for you when it eased. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And something I haven't told you, but this was so long ago. This was before Seeking Balance existed. And I remember at that time I told you, oh, I'm going to start a, a support thing for people yeah. with these. And you were like, oh, my God, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Definitely do that. There's nothing out there to help people. So you kind of probably were part of that inspiration that oh, helped good. me shift into this space of providing these support tools. So there's another reason for us to be thankful for your presence. Oh, thanks, Joe. I have to say one uh, when being believed about your symptoms is also and having people just understand and yeah. listen is a big part of it as well. It's just horrible when people just don't believe you really yeah well it makes us doubt ourselves which makes us lose faith in ourselves which just continues the downward spiral yeah yeah so thanks look, for your kind words by the way yeah. oh no my pleasure so <laughs> i want to i want to invite everyone listening to my closed facebook group where we have really strict rules people can only post about their healing with neuroplasticity it's a very encouraging and uplifting group there is no symptom banter and there is no unkind word said about our bodies or about anybody else it's very it's a very rich environment and a great place for further recovery stories. So the Facebook group is called Rocksteady for Vertigo and Tinnitus. If you're looking for resources and information about healing any form of vertigo, dizziness or tinnitus, go to seekingbalance.com.au. There are plenty of resources and it's a good place to start if you feel like you want to do a program for yourself to help you understand your own recovery process. So I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. And I've just been talking with Gillian, who's a friend of mine who's recovered from melded embarkment. And I want to thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs>